Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 24th of July 2013. For newcomers, please help yourself to the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com. You'll see all the official sites that I have listed there. They all carry lots of audios for free download where I go through the system we're born into. And it truly is a system well organized a long time ago, in fact, very, very structured. And uh, it really plans the future, every generation's future. Naturally, those in power want to maintain power, and they do it through their own offspring, through generations. And that's how it really works. And so I go through the history of the organizations that set themselves up under uh, uh, foundations, basically, uh, trillion-dollar foundations, multi-trillion-dollar foundations, some of them, and they pretend that they're uh, basically philanthropic organizations, really interested in the good of humankind. But at the top, of course, they were set up by the international bankers of their time, still are running at the top, and they run uh, the world's policies. They have all the think tanks that advise governments across the world on every every aspect of society and, and what to do and so on for the future. So help yourself to the audios. Remember, to all the sites listed, also print-ups of lots of talks I've given for, for reading. And uh, you can get uh, print-ups in other languages than English if you go into alanwattsentinel.eu and help yourself there. Remember, too, you help me uh, tick along here by buying the books and discuttingthroughthematrix.com. I don't sell any uh, products. I don't sell uh, on behalf of advertisers and so on. I simply sell what I, I got for my talks and so on. So you can help me by buying them, hopefully, at cuttingthroughmedias.com. And from the U.S. to Canada, don't forget, you can still use personal checks. And you can still use international postal money orders from the post office to Canada. You can send cash or use PayPal. And across the world, you've got Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal once again. Straight nations are awfully, awfully seriously welcome in this day and age of inflation or quantitative easing, they call it now. It just sounds better than inflation, but it really means that your money has been devalued across the whole planet. Everyone's been devalued in currency as we go through into this new amalgamation as the Bank for International Settlements comes to the fore. It was set up a long time ago by, again, a philanthropic organization, Royal Institute of International Affairs, uh, and they manage all the central banks of the world now. All private businesses manage the whole world, regardless of what what kind of system you think you're living in, democracy or whatever. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter because they manage them all. And countries that won't go along with the World Bank and the, and the IMF and the, and the Bank for International Settlements are being bombed out of existence right now. And they're restructured. They're given this thing called democracy, which is a very elastic meaning, as we well know. And they're then piled with debt. And then they're under the thumb of the boys that run the world. And that's how the world is really, really run. It's very simple, a simple game. We forget the history of the world. It's been nothing but really tribal warfare done through the ages. 
and, and through the tribal warfare too, you have elites in every group that get to the top. And some of the elites, of course, make, make uh, uh, treaties with other elite groups across the world, and they decided long ago that the world was changing, it was going global, and, and they would therefore make sure it would go global in the way that they would fashion it to be so. And so they created the World Trade Organization, uh, the United Nations, uh, all the treaties that are signed on our behalf, that of course we know nothing about generally. And, and also you find all the private organizations which they also run, like the ones by Maurice Strong. Uh, they sign treaties for everybody to sign, the Earth Charter, and, and things like that. Uh, then uh, they sign us on to all these integrated systems that bring us all together under the one rule. Because, after all, they want one, they call it governmental or governance rule for the whole planet. So big private corporations, which again were funded by the members of um, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, the private organization that started all of this up, and Council on Foreign Relations, they set up these big international corporations that we're so used to hearing about today. And, um, and therefore, corporations really run over uh, the rights of governments. Governments do what they're told by the international corporate bodies. And the one personal historian, Professor Carl Quigley, I've mentioned many times before of the CFR, he said that the system they're bringing in is a new feudal system where the corporate uh, CEOs are the new feudal overlords. They've got more power than many countries. They have their own bureaucracy, sometimes bigger than some countries and these big international corporations. And they are dictating the policy of the future. So we're well under it today. Not only that, too, quickly also said that for a hundred years, now it would be a hundred years, back then it was, it was 80 years he mentioned, I think, but that the same group of private organizations had put in every prime minister and every, um, president across the world pretty well and, uh, and continue to do, do so today, regardless of the fact of, of the party that they belong to. The top guys are always members and that's why there's only one agenda. You see, one agenda. Right now, um, we've seen all the farces as, as corporations really go get countries to use uh, their war-making machinery to blitz out the whole of the Middle East and take it over under the guise of liberating them and bring them into democracy. And the same thing that we have where government pretends to serve the public and, and the public uh, do what they're told or, or else, basically. That's how it runs. And the only ones who really have a say in democracy are the big non-governmental organizations that are also paid and financed and set up by the private foundations. So private foundations run our world for us, whether we like it or not. That's the way it really is. I can remember reading an article, actually it was a book by a, a civil servant that went back to the early 1900s, and he went through democracy and all of his meanings back then. And he's eventually he said that private organizations, big organizations with power and connections will be the only organizational groups from the populace to get any voice in democracy at all. The individual is totally ignored, as we well now, completely ignored. So this system is wonderful where this one organization puts in your top politicians and they also have the NGOs to lobby the government. Uh, and the lobby, the lobby groups are financed partially by your tax money, and the remainder is by the big foundations which set them up and they serve. So it's a, it's a working group, basically. They work hand in glove with each other because uh, everything they lobby for is what the big government wants because big government's told to by the foundations that's what it wants. It's quite simple, really. And most of us, are, of course, are oblivious to all of this because we 
we refer to the mainstream news organizations. And once again, Carl Quigley, uh, who was a historian for this group with their own archives, because they had their own version of history, where all the blank bits are filled in. He said that uh, all the media moguls, of course, are out there and they're members of the same group. Uh, and their job is to standardize the news worldwide. So as we all get basically a continuing what we think of as an education of information, but it's not. We're simply being conned uh, and misled, of course, uh, all through our lives, never to figure out the real system in, in which we are born. And it works awfully, awfully well, I must admit. And we have characters, too, who also belong to this group, uh, like Brzezinski, who said himself that... Um, uh, event, he said it back in the 1970s in one of his books Eventually the public will be unable to think or reason for themselves They'll expect the media to do it It was already happening in his day Because prior to the 1970s The public knew that private corporations were just that There were private corporations and media And they knew who owned them and so on They knew what uh, lines they would take uh, And agendas they would take and so they didn't trust them so well, but they did such a great job, especially through television, to, to try and legitimize themselves. And now the public that have grown up with television think it's all, all real and all obviously true. Even though I've read here about cases that have gone to the Supreme Court, one, one in particular was a famous case that went to the Supreme Court by an independent journalist group hired by Fox News to do a study and documentary, and they did it on Monsanto, and because it was so powerful and they had all the facts there, and plus Monsanto, of course, donates to a lot of uh, business their way. Of course, the newspaper's owners, it wasn't published. So these guys took it all the way to the Supreme Court, and the judge ruled that news does not have to be anything about the truth. There's nothing about law that says it must be. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, and I generally expose the chronology, I call it chronology, which is the art of, of managing masses of people across the world. It's a very old art indeed, it goes all the way back, uh, the Greeks were awfully good at recording lots of the techniques, and, uh, and of course they've been uh, improved on since then. And this day of mass communication, uh, especially, I mean, they don't really mean mass communication, it's really a standardized communication. We all get the same info, everything's routed through Reuters. I, I generally call Reuters news routers, because this route the news to all the different media. And that's why you can go from channel to channel if you watch television and get the same uh, news items, often in the same order and everything nowadays. It's quite amazing. So everyone thinks they're well-informed and they can all chat about things to each other. But again, getting back to Brzezinski in the 1970s, in his book Between Two Ages, he says that um, the public will be unable to talk about any topic unless the media has given it to them the night before. And that's what it comes down to. No one questions if it's true or not. It doesn't really matter uh, unless you really tell them that it's all bunkum. And then they'll get angry because they want to believe they're well-informed. They want to believe everything's real. And they want to believe the media, and, and especially the anchor people that have grown up with especially that are doddering off their chairs but often at the age of 80 paid a lot of money because, and that's why they keep them there because you've grown up with them you believe them you trust them and they look at you in the eye every evening at 6 o'clock they can't be telling you lies could they? well of course they have been that's how you manage people 
And so psychology is a big, big thing today. I've given talks on the past, in the past about, um, the psychologists and behaviorists, even anthropologists and neurologists and, and neuroscientists of all kinds that, that they're on board all governments today and all the big think tanks, especially that, that really inform governments as what to do. And they have it down pat in how to manage the general population. We live in a culture of, uh, Again, mass celebrity worship. That's all you get. If there's no, no news or they want to distract you from real events, they'll put in nothing but trivia. And of course, you'll have the boob babes and so on uh, and, and things like that and celebrities because they give you stars because the public will, will follow the wandering star. It's very, very simple. Old, old, old stuff because it's, it's ancient. And so, uh, of course, the Council on Foreign Relations also had articles out some years back where they said they would do the same to get younger people to follow them and to accept their, their communications or what they were trying to tell the public. And they hired even Clooney, the actor, was one of them, and I think Anjali Jolie was another one too, because of, simply because the public would follow them, thinking they know them. Now, you don't know any of these characters at all. Everything you read about some is, is nonsense made up by magazines. Same with the musicians too, by the way. Uh, many musicians are never ever even interviewed by the big magazines that talk about them, give you all the gossip, and uh, the, the, the magazines simply phone them up and says, can we make up a story about you, nothing nasty and all that kind of stuff, and they pay them a, a lump sum, and they write it all up, and that's how they keep the gossip going, things like that. It's, it's an old, old trick. But the public never know this. They, they want to believe in these people and that they're real and they really are living up to the image that they, they have in their imagination about them. And so they're used all the time. Now, the Bama Healthcare National Health Service System, remember, is to be based on the British one, which is literally cut to the bone, staffed by people from all over the world, some of whom can hardly speak the, the English language. And lots of accidents happen simply because they can't communicate to the rest of the staff. Properly, I've got articles even here I could read tonight about that. But that's what's to happen too in, in, in the U.S. as they change their hiring practices to international hiring practices. And um, getting back to the, the whole idea, though, of drumming up business, you always go for the young people. And once they're trained, it was the same with the income tax. Once we're trained, it was normal. They told their children automatically it's normal to pay tax, like it'd always been there, like gravity or something. Very simple. So here's an article here about Obamacare and how they're going to use celebrities. It says, stepping up efforts to enroll young Americans in health insurance this fall. See, it's going for the young Americans. Very important. The Obama administration is enlisting the help of actors and entertainment industry officials to educate 20-something consumers, age of 20 or so, about the need to get covered. And the senior administration officials met Monday morning with a group of entertainers to talk about media campaigns to reach young Americans about the Affordable Care Act, according to a White House official. So your tax money is going to fund uh, these well-known uh, so-called stars that the public uh, are all bemused about with the gossip uh, tabloids and so on. To brainwash them, it says, Amongst those at the meeting were actors Jennifer Hudson, Carl Penn and Amy Poehler, Mike Fair of the, of the website Funny or Die, Daniel Kellison of YouTube Comedy, Royal Payne sitcom creator Andrew Linchowski, and songwriter Bruce Roberts. Also in attendance, of course, were Oprah Winfrey, you know, the, the, pretense, the pretended self-made woman, uh, Alicia Keys, Bon Jovi, uh, the Latin Recording Academy, 
and the National Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences, which produces the Grammys. So there's a big, and that's the start of uh, the campaign. They'll have a lot more will come along too. And it says the president uh, stopped, also stepped into the meeting according to the White House. And the Obama administration is working with scores of community groups as well, healthcare companies, foundations, but the foundations that came up with the idea in the first place, and others to publicize the president's 2010 health law, which will make guaranteed health coverage available to all Americans for the first time next year, and also require most consumers to have health coverage or pay a fine. Sufficient enrollment, particularly of young, healthy consumers, is viewed as critical to keeping premiums affordable next year. Now, it's, it's really a monopoly of, insu- of an insurance company bunch. That's all that's going to happen here, making it into law. So the, the administration is aiming to get about 2.7 million currently uninsured young consumers enrolled in 2014. They'll pick the ones at the very bottom that can't afford it, and there'll be a special drive to get them in first, and they'll give it to them for free. I'm, I'm sure they'll do lots of carrots and sticks and so on. But polls show that many Americans still don't know about the law, and Republican critics of the Affordable Care Act have been attacked repeatedly for their efforts to educate the public and pressured groups not to participate, including sports leagues such as the National Football League. So this is how simple it is to, to manipulate the minds of the general population. Uh, you bring forth people, again, people that really think they know. They watch sitcoms and so on, or dramas and TV, and they, they think they actually know the character. They haven't a clue in reality. Not a clue what they're really like at all, any more than you do about the president. Everything about the president or, or any prime minister is always a PR campaign where they make the stuff up to suit what you want to hear. It's very simple. And you'll never really know what they're really like at all. Even when they're out of office, there's still a mystery what they really, really like. It's very, very simple. But that's how it is. To, again, you have to go through Bernays' articles and his books on propaganda and because he was the, the, one of the top strategists of his day, he wasn't the first one, of course. It was an old art that he'd been well trained in. It wasn't because his uncle, Sigmund Freud, uh, had written stuff on psychology or psychiatry or whatever. Uh, There's no doubt about it that uh, these, these sciences were already known to those who knew how to manipulate vast populations across the world, down through time, actually. So I'll put this link up tonight along with other links tonight that I'll mention to do with what the, these articles here. Also, as the U.S. expands its empire, and let's not kid ourselves, it's an empire. The U.S. is an empire across the world. They have hundreds of bases across the world. They're involved in other nations' economies across the world. And when we say the U.S. too, you never, I never think of the people. I always think of a corporation because that's what it is. It's a big corporation. Uh, is divorced from the people, in fact. It uses them all the time for, for military campaigns and things like that and, and to fund big campaigns across the world and supply the bodies and, and so on. But um, it's a corporation run by international corporations. In fact, the U.S. probably took over from Britain as the main leader of monopolization of corporations and, and sectors of business across the planet. So when you're running a, a, a big empire, it costs a fortune, and every empire has its heyday, it ends up taxing all the countries that it goes into, uh, and uh, and there's a massive taxation back home as it, it tries to keep people more contented in a discontented era, and eventually it can't cope anymore. So it taxes everyone into the grave until people either rebel or it simply falls flat and everything uh, disintegrates. Back with more after this break. 
listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the matrix, talking about really the rise and fall, of course, of the American empire, because it's an empire, and everything in this world is economic, of course, and those who run economics and have the the means to run economics across the world is really a New York-based. That's a big financial center, and that's the empire state. But remember, too, that that, that the U.S. uh, Royal Institute for International Affairs uh, got together, uh, CFR, uh, back in the 1920s, and the British delegation came across, it's the same organization, and uh, they came across to the U.S. and they talked to the Senate, and they actually even had poems written about it, in fact, by some of the top poets of the day. And uh, they, they said that, in fact, Kipling was one of the guys who, who came across uh, and gave his speech, and he said, we hand the torch over to you, America, meaning America was to take up the slack from Britain's fallen empire, it was taxed to the hilt, the folk were dying because of malnutrition and so on, and countless wars. Uh, on behalf of big business, and they handed it over to the U.S. to take over, and that was definitely uh, came into fruition around World War II. And since then, of course, the, the bulk of the responsibility, if you like, of being the global policeman was handed over to the U.S. And the policeman is not there to protect the U.S. as so much as to help uh, go into countries where there's massive resources that can be used by big private businesses. And that's all wars are really based on economics. They're economic wars, in fact. And uh, they always bring up the same in Britain, too. They use the, the flag and all that stuff during Victoria's reign uh, as they conquered across the world. The taxpayers footed the bill. They paid for the railways to be, get built. They paid for the militaries that were, they were just expendable units, basically. The soldiers came, came and went. And then the big private corporations had railroads to, to, to transport all this, the stuff that were taken out of countries and to factories across Europe, in fact, not just in Britain. So uh, the big corporations that run the world really are international. They always have been international. They have no loyalty to any particular country, but they'll certainly use every country along the way to maintain their position at the top. But... Um, when countries start to fail, of course, you see all the different tricks they have to use to keep the public happy. They give you lots of trivia, lots and lots of trivia for news, uh, or lots of emotive topics to get you all arguing amongst each other rather than arguing about the things that really matter uh, much higher up the level. They give you th- even sex, uh, same-sex marriage now. I mean, uh, uh, it's been done. It was a done deal, basically. We know that. But they still harp on about it, and they give us lots of topics where you can argue and argue, and everyone fights over it. But they don't watch what big government's really, really all about. So they're they're, they're masters at this, this kind of thing, uh, the big big distractions and so on. And it's not a matter of what's right and what's wrong. They don't care at the top because they have a different lifestyle altogether. They always have had a different lifestyle from the people down below. Uh, they have marriages of convenience. And arranged marriages at the top, they always have had that down through the ages. Uh, anyway, here's, here's what they end up doing, of course, as you go down the tubes financially. They start to try to fudge the, the gross domestic product. And they find all ways to, things to add on to it that aren't really products at all. They, they were put down as expenses before and often dead losses. But it says the rise of the intangible economy, 
U.S. GDP counts uh, research and development now, and artistic creation is GDP. Now, your taxpayer funds pretty well all of the, the research and development, even for private corporations. This is on July the 31st, the U.S. Bureau of Economic Analysis will rewrite history on a grand scale by restating the size and composition of the gross domestic product all the way back to the first year it was recorded in 1929. The biggest change will be the reclassification. Nay, nay, it says the elevation of research and development. It will no longer be treated as a mere expense like the electricity bill or food or the company cafeteria. It will be categorized on the government's books as an investment akin to constructing a factory or digging a mine. Another victory for intellectual property, original works of art such as films, music and books will be treated for the first time as long-lived assets, you see. Now, research and development, for instance, uh, most R&D ends up dud, you understand. Uh, ends up uh, tried and tested, and it's either not uh, economically feasible or it simply doesn't work at all. But it doesn't matter. It's when you put down the books as actually a GDP. And it says it's a great idea. If latest, the BEA has a 20th century economy down cold. It can tell you about personal income trends in Anchorage and Alaska or America's annual output of rubber products and plastics. Now the agency is putting more attention on R&D, the lifeblood of the 21st century economy, by moving it from an experimental satellite account into the heart of measured GDP. So it goes on and on and on. I won't do the whole darn thing, but the fact is it's another way to con uh, and fudge the bills, basically, or the books to make it look better. And I'll raise them up uh, two or three points on the GDP index, basically. Also, this Article 2 has to do with... Um, I said this a long time ago. I said the big war machine will be brought home, the big eating machine. It always happens when they send them out, and you know it's going to be a long-term haul, and they bring back the same bunch to eat you up after they've yet eaten everybody else up. But it says, in the years since Massachusetts State Trooper Mike Catone was given permission to use counterinsurgency insurgency tactics in the city of Springfield, crime has dropped as much as 25% in the targeted areas, CBS reports. Now, they always give you fudge details and, 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 and great, great... In other words, it's a PR piece, right, to get the public ready for this stuff and to accept it. The former Green Beret was featured in Sunday's most recent episode of 60 Minutes. This is, this is what it tells you it's been pushed to the top uh, as, a, as a PR piece and told reporters that the operations work at home as well as they did in combat. This was for American citizens. It says insurgents and gang members want to operate in a failed area or a failed community or a failed state so they can operate under the passive support of the community. That's no, not going to call police, he says. Catone, who served in Iraq, told reporter Leslie Stahl, Catone said they set up pilot teams of specialized police officers who would embed with the community, like the embedded ones. This is the do-over in those countries that they're demolishing right now. This is a strategy was common in the Iraq turned around, which eventually turned the tide of the community against Al-Qaeda. Uh, this not so about Al-Qaeda, even though that's not why they went into Iraq in the first place. Style, sensing at least a little controversy, pitched a curveball at the guy who okayed Catone's counterinsurgency. 
He said he was going to bring military tactics to an American community. You must have had some qualms about that. So once it became clear to me that he wasn't talking about checkpoints or fast roping from helicopters, replied Springfield Deputy Police Chief John Berberi. He, that he was going about the, going door to door as he's organizing the neighborhood into a collaboration to report crime, to get involved in solving their own problems. It became obvious to me that that was exactly the type of program needed in the neighborhood. So don't forget too, there'll be rewards to this reporting. You understand the snitching and so on. And you always find with these kind of schemes, uh, an awful lot of folk get snitched on uh, by neighbors who are jealous or just hate them. Uh, or petty squabbles have had from the past and so on. Uh, and, but that's not, but the guys who squeal will get the cash. And so on. And it says, Catone's course of action raises two important issues. Is there really room to apply lessons learned from war here at home? And this has opened the floodgate to a more liberal application of military doctrine and domestic police work. And it's, they give you a, a little video. It says, watch the whole segment here. So it's to get you used to this militarization of the police, of course, which has been going on for a long time. And, and they bring more and more tactics back, back home. They already have the communities flooded with their own, actually, and have had for years embedded is the right word for it. Only they, they're disguised to be like the ordinary people. Canada has them too in various communities in Canada. And they, they pay them and they go in there as either retirees, some of them, or early retirement. They live amongst the people. And they allow houses next to them, and they keep checks on every citizen in the streets around them, and get all the gossip and put reports in about them too. This is the the new society. It's very much like the Stasi was in East Germany. Also in Canada, of course, there's all this hullabaloo about the shale oil in Canada, and they've got so many bidders up for it now because. Uh, that's going to be a big boom for whoever gets the stuff. Anyway, Petronas in Canada is, and is in talks to sell the stake in Canada share oil to India Oil Corporation. And it says, um, Kalalumpa and so on. This comes out of this article here from Reuters. Malaysia's Petronas in talks to sell 10% of its Canadian shale gas assets to Indian Oil Corporation. And it says sources with direct knowledge of the matter said, uh, mirroring a deal signed earlier this year with a Japanese company. State-run Petronas last year bought Canada's, Canada's Progress Energy Resource Corps uh, in a $5.2 billion deal that gave it shale gas properties in northeastern British Columbia. So just like the U.S., uh, the private uh, corporations from foreign countries uh, are going to export uh, the resources from your countries. And, and this is a deal, by the way, uh, this kind of deal to do with uh, this particular intrusions into country by foreign, foreign corporations. It was signed back in the 90s. It was a, a little-known deal that all the new United Nations members and the World Trade Organization signed after a two-year meeting with all their Sherpas. They call the Sherpas the bureaucrats who send out to attend these things and draft up all the treaties. And they all signed it in France for two years it went on. So any company can come in now and just buy up your resources and, and dry up your country and they make all the profit. Back with more after this. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the matrix, talking about this, 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 uh, basically the shale, uh, oil deals that are going through right now in Canada and having gone on for a while, actually. But, uh, 
it all came out of that deal they made in, uh, back through the World Trade Organization to allow uh, foreign companies to come into every member's uh, signatory's uh, country and basically purchase whatever they wanted to purchase and take out what they wanted, raw resources, whatever. And, of course, that's less cash for the countries involved uh, as these countries that are exporting stuff certainly put their own teams in there. They get their own uh, area of land and they, they, they take out the resources that they want. And meanwhile, too, remember, all these all these resources that you have are funded by the public to get them started. That's what they do across the world. The U.S. is the same. And um, so we, we fund the, the setting up of these things, and then your own governments uh, sell it off to these foreign corporations who come in with both total sovereignty, basically, over an area, and take out what they want and bypass all the restrictions uh, and export to their own country. Now, as, since we paid for all this stuff, same with, with the gas and everything else, and the shale gas and et cetera, uh, we're given the speed at the time by all governments. The U.S. was the same as Britain and, and the same as Canada. Uh, so that the, we would fund them setting up these things. And then, of course, they say they were exporting this stuff, even though they sold it to us by telling us this would supply us with energy for 100, 200 years. No, we won't get it if it's exporting it all, naturally. So we're conned left, right, and center by the big corporations that really are dominant over governments. And this particular one article I'm reading here about Canada Shale being sold uh, off to another another company that divvied up the area. It says China's, uh, uh, says, uh, Petronas has not opened, uh, opened this to anyone else and prefers to directly approach one company at a time, it says. And it says that, um, China's CNOC Limited, C-N-O-O-C Limited, it says, uh, from Hong Kong completed a contentious takeover of Canada's Nexon Inc. in February. Ottawa approved that deal only after making it clear it would not allow foreign state-owned firms to build up dominant positions in the Alberta Tar Sands. What well, it says, as I say here, it was a contentious takeover because, you see, it was, it was given a dominant position in the Alberta Tar Sands. And it says, one thing's for sure, Petronas will not go to Chinese companies if the India deal falls through, as Chinese companies are pretty active in this, cent- in this sector, the person said. Uh, and it says... Um, it goes on and on about the different companies that are competing, but the fact is this is happening across the world now. This is a free trade deal as well, of course, uh, to do with uh, the companies coming in, taking what they want and paying no taxes on it, and away home they go with all the goodies, and you have less resources at home left for yourselves. That's the bottom line, because you're global, you understand, and corporations and the World Trade Organization has no national affinity whatsoever, they claim. Also, this is a good article here by the White House. It says, White House urges Congress to reject moves to curb the NSA surveillance. And it says that a statement from the White House press secretary Carney late Tuesday evening capped an extraordinary day of near revolt on Capitol Hill concerning the secret National Security Agency surveillance programs revealed by the ex-NSA contractor Edward Snowden and published by The Guardian and The Washington Post. The White House urged House members to vote against a measure from Representative Justin Amash, a Michigan Republican, that would stop the NSA siphoning up the telephone records of millions of Americans without suspicion of a crime. So, the White House, in other words, they were going to pass this to, to stop a lot of the NSA snooping on ordinary folk, but Obama's trying to block it. He wants the NSA's uh, surveillance to continue. It says, this blunt approach is not at the product of an informed, open, or deliberative process, said the statement in an email from the White House late on Tuesday, in anticipation of a House debate on the AMASH measure scheduled for Wednesday. 
So he says we urge the House to reject the EMASH amendment and instead move forward with an approach that immediately takes into account the need for a reasoned view of what tools can best secure the nation. In other words, secure all your data for them to... Well, if you understand, if you're a shepherd, you've got to understand the nature of your sheep. You've got to need, need its, know its breeding qualities, their health, each one individually, because it's all profit for you down the road. And this is what this is all about. This is what all the spying is about, too. Basic eugenics in a form as well. And classifications of, of human beings. That's all it is. And... As bureaucrats, bureaucrats and bureaucracies, uh, I mean, governments, uh, even your local governments spent this, this they, they write up hundreds of laws every year. I remember Britain came up with the thousands and thousands and thousands of laws that are still in the books, going way back to the, I think, the Doomsday Book. But it says, here's what happens when they get so big for their boots, and they've got nothing else to do, bureaucrats. They're not in touch with reality at all. They left a charmed existence. And hereditary, there actually are hereditary bureaucrats in, in the capital cities. They, they intermarry each other and have for generations. They're their own private butlers as children and everything. You know. Anyway, it says, Obama administration requires a, a magician to submit a 32-page disaster plan for his rabbit. No kidding. That's how crazy it gets. Central planning in the country is getting completely and totally out of control. These days you can hardly do anything without running into a suffocating web of red tape. For example, a small-time magician from Missouri that does magic shows for children was absolutely horrified when he learned that the Obama administration is requiring him to submit a 32-page disaster plan for the rabbit that he uses in his shows. He says, yes, this is true. His name is Marty Han, and he thought it was bad enough when the U.S. Department of Agriculture busted him for not having a license for his rabbit. Yet to have a license for it. He went out and acquired the proper license for his rabbit, but he never dreamed that eventually he would also have to submit a 32-page disaster plan for the same rabbit. As this is a guy that does not make a lot of money, he mostly does shows for children in schools and at libraries. And since you think the government, the federal government would have much better things to do than to shake down a small-time magician with one rabbit, unfortunately the control freaks that run things are not about to let anyone off the hook. Uh, and it's true enough, when you look at the, the laws they turn out, you have no idea until you, you try to do something, and out comes some agency you'd never heard of before, with a stack of forms for you to fill in, where you might, if you pay enough money for licensing fees and so on, get permission to do it as you want to do in the first place. And this is another good article too. The U.S. military in Afghanistan spent $32 million dollars to, spend, to prevent improvised explosive device attacks after more than 600 troops were killed. But the brass at the top have no proof that the pricey effort was effective, and they don't even know if it was implemented. But they spent $32 million just on that. This is an investigation by the top U.S. watchdog in Afghanistan discovered the military doesn't know if the anti-IED devices were functioning or were even installed. It says these culvert denial systems are supposed to safeguard U.S. troops and Afghan civilians from the explosive devices. But the report by the Special Inspector General for Afghanistan Reconstruction said it's unclear whether or not culvert denial systems are functioning or, in some cases, if they were even installed. The IG already found two Afghan contractors who billed the U.S. government $1 million for the installation of 250 such, uh, 50 such devices, but then never completed the work or did it haphazardly. Of course, they wouldn't have done it at all. 
There are at least 2,500 places where the prevention devices were supposed to be installed, the IG said, but a lack of documentation and oversight means no one's certain if they were ever actually there. And it goes on and on with this sort of stuff. But that's nothing to do with the money they went for Halliburton. I mean, they got the Federal Reserve to print up millions of dollars. There's a video on it, too. When they flew over in a plane over to, to, I think it was Iraq at the time, and uh, and it all went missing. There was no no, no checks and balances, nothing. And guys who who were there tell you how they were just told to come in with bags and to fill it up when they wanted to, which they did. But again, it's taxpayers' money. I mean, you know, it's added to the national debt, which you pay through taxes, and so do your children's children, if you have any. Also, Japan, of course, is, is this is old news because it comes out again because of it, they've been leaking radioactive water for since, since, since a disaster happened with Fukushima. And it says Japan plant admits the radioactive water is leaked to the sea, still leaking to the sea. And supposedly there's nothing they can do about it. Uh, it continues. But uh, what can you do about it? No saying anything really when it comes to these big, big things. And also... I'll put up tonight the hockey shtick, it's called the shtick, and it's, it's quite good to do about the, the, the nonsense on CO2 and carbon, etc. Uh, it's quite a good article, in fact, it's a good website on this, uh, as, they, as they go through all the, the cons to do with the big carbon taxes, which are coming, by the way, big time, big time, on every single one of us, for everything you purchase, it will be on it, as well as personal taxes too, for your output. From Hamish Massage, Ontario, Canada, is good night. Emmy, your God, or your gods go with you.